Oh, what a character. You guys have to put up with this guy all the time, don't you? Rebranding. The man is rebranding himself. Man alive. Whoa, I'm telling you what. Well, <laughs> hopefully you'll get saved this morning, buddy. I love you, Don. I don't I don't care if you're a nutcase. He's a nut he's a nut, but he's screwed on the right bolt. Amen. Praise God. You know, guys, I'm going to do something in my 35 years of ministry I've never done. First of all, I'm going to start off by... <laughs> oh, buddy. I'm going to get you back. Uh, we, we, this is war. You've declared war. <laughs> all right, well, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm, I'm going to have to be in some prayer and fasting this afternoon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this guy back. I want to do something uh, I've never done before. I'm turning off the projector. I'm, um, I'm just going to speak to you from my heart. Um, in the second service, I'll preach my, um, my message I had intended. But I have a different audience this morning. And um, I feel that maybe we ought to... Uh, address some stuff that uh, we won't we won't be able to really do adequately um, in our our time together in these next three services uh, by the way we will be back uh, tomorrow night Monday and Tuesday night at seven and uh, I don't want you to to miss it if you can because uh, I was going to preach on this morning and I will in the second service as it was in the days of Noah, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Lot. And uh, we'll show you why Jesus said that and the importance of it. But, you know, um, do you guys have, have your thing set up where I can give you a scripture and you can make it show up? Okay. Well, I tell you what, let's, let me do this. And I'm, I'll have you, I'm going to keep you on, on your toes this morning. Okay, brother? Good. All right, I know Pastor normally doesn't uh, keep you on the toes when it comes to using scriptures, but. Uh. <laughs> you know, he was using the Amplified Bible. You know what happens when he amplifies stuff? You, it gets distorted, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. whatever, buddy. <laughs> you know, that is a woman of God to have to put up with him all the time. You know, my dear wife, bless her heart, she gets a break. She's had five weeks of break from John. That's why she stays married to me, because she can have these great vacations, you know. Man, do I miss my wife and kids. I'm um, looking forward Tuesday night to, uh, as soon as we get over with service, I'm jetting down to um, the airport uh, to get clo as close as I can, because i got to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Wednesday to catch a flight out. So, but anyway, thank you for uh, putting up with, with um, your pastor and me. We both need Jesus, and we both have wives that help make it bearable for all of us. Anyway, brother, can uh, and give me your name again. What? Luke. Ooh, that's a good one to name or to remember. All right, brother Luke. Let's start off with. The book of Luke, uh, chapter 11, 
and verse uh, 52, okay? Um, I, I, you know, Pastor was saying while we were getting set up this morning, I was um, talking with him um, about, uh, he said, you know, man, and it was funny because Carolyn basically said the same thing this morning when I talked to her. She said, you're going to have, um, you're going to have it made, you know, all the stuff that's going on. And, and Brother Don was talking about, uh, you know, man, I mean, you talk about, you talk about material. I mean, I remember when I first started on the road as an evangelist back in 78, uh, you know, every once in a while I'd get an opportunity to preach on prophecy, but my goodness, you whatever you were talking about, you could you could talk about that same stuff for for years because there was a few things happening. I mean, today it's old news within within 24 hours. So much stuff is going on. I mean, this this week is pretty incredible, and um, I think just as a, a family talk. Um, with your early morning church group. And what time do I need to get done, by the way? Uh, ten minutes till ten? Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so anyway, we got the passage up right now. Now, all of you know that uh, the Supreme Court are made up of nine justices. These, these men and women are, are lawyers. And uh, they have they s help set the standard for the law of the land. Um, it's it's critical to understand that this was a problem, um, has always been a problem in a society that does not want to go by the laws of God. You know, uh, the Supreme Court have have made up their mind as a result. And it's kind of sad when you think about it, a five to four vote which really literally means that one person ended up bringing about a decision that will change the face of this country. And I you know if you if you think that's okay that's you know you it's it's law now so it doesn't matter it's here. And uh but I got news for you folks Jesus talked about something when he said and he, he pronounced a woe, a judgment on them. He says, woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You've taken away the key of knowledge. And what is the key of knowledge? The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The key to knowledge, no, to know everything there is to know. You've taken away the key of knowledge. You've entered not in yourself, and them that are entering in, you hindered. Now, if you if you'll be honest, and I know this is going to sound a little um, questionable to some of you, uh, they're products of Yale and Harvard University. They are the products of liberal theology. All of them are. None of them represent uh, pretty much the. None of them represent the more conservative views of our country. Even though there were four opposing, and you know there was a, a, a several comments, you know the, the that came out of this uh, uh, staff of, of lawyers, and some very burning comments about why this is such a bad mistake, and yet what we're seeing here is the result 
of what happens when you take the key of knowledge away. It'll hinder, and, and, and the sad fact is Yale and Harvard were both originally designed and founded for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It actually says it in their charter. If you look at the seal of Yale University, Harvard University, it'll say it right on that in their charter why they were, wow, have we backslid. And what we're seeing here in reality is an expression of some of the moral decisions they have made in the past that have been incredibly wrong. Back during uh, 1857, when the Supreme Court voted in favor of the Dred Scott decision, that was the decision, ladies and gentlemen, to say that a person with black skin is not human and they don't have any human rights. So you can do whatever you want with those people. In 1973, within all of our lifetime, you'll remember that it was the Supreme Court, the same, uh, the same percentage, also voted in another moral issue, that an unborn child is not a human being. It has no human rights. 57 million dead babies are a witness of just how critical it gets when you take the key of knowledge away from our society. Are you all listening to me? Now the question is, what in the world are we going to do? How are we going to respond to this? And I want to give you some things that I hope will make you have something to think about. Because Jesus had to deal with these people. He had to live with them. He had to live under their authority. He had to live in this world. We're in this world. We're not necessarily of this world. But we have some things that we have to deal with. And I'm going to give you a few things that I, I think will help you. And I, I'd like, uh, Luke, if you would, please, to pull up James 1.6. And I want you to understand that um, the Bible tells us that because we are double-minded, that we become unstable in all our ways. Is that, yeah. Uh, uh, because what happens, folks, is when we, when, you know, that's not it. Go to verse, the next verse. I'm sorry. Is it, where is it? Is it, ver it's, what's the verse that says that? Verse 8. Okay, yeah, just pull the next verse. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Here we want a society where we have freedom, but we don't want the freedom within a parameter of God's law. You know, we have the freedom to be able to use the law to our advantage. In other words, we have the law of gravity. Now, it doesn't matter if you want to submit to that law or not. It's going to work. God put a law in, in motion about what humans were to be like he created them in the in the genesis account and jesus referred to it and you've heard this story before he says it was this way from the beginning god created them male and female and that the two would be one there is a reason for that that's god's law now man wants to modify that law it's like everything else we've done now, you know, you look at all this stuff and we can go on and on, go through the exact same thing over and over again. But what are we supposed to do? Well, 
Luke, pull up Ephesians 4.15, and let's talk about what we should do. Number one, I think, with the scripture I just showed you, we should be stable. That means we should not change anything. We are who we are. We're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. We're not going to allow this to get us so depressed and discouraged that we throw up our hands and, and, and say, what's, what's the use? And I'll be honest with you, I don't know about you. I know when Nick and I were driving in today, we were talking about how depressing this is. This is literally depressing. I, the scripture that really, I think about that, and, and matter of fact, we'll go back to that verse in just a second, but pull up um, Psalm 38, 6. Psalm 38, 6. If... If there's any verse that tells how I have been feeling in the last few days as a result of this, this ruling, it's this verse. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. But did David give up? No, he did not give up. Folks, this is not fun. It's not fun trying to be... Um, a standard in the midst of a world that's going nuts. Everyone sitting here can remember a society, most of you, and there are a couple young people here, but most of you can remember society when none of this was imaginable. What in the world has happened? Well, this is exactly what happens when a nation gets out of control and we lose the key to knowledge. Now, I want you to go back to that passage I just gave you, brother, there in uh, Ephesians 4.15. And the Bible tells us that we are to do this, and, and we're doing this, Paul says, in season and out of season. Because the time's going to come, they will not want to endure sound doctrine. We are to preach the truth. We're to speak this truth uh, in love. And if nothing else, I think the very issue at hand, what we're dealing with here is an awareness we need to really think about how we're coming off the people. I know, I know there's not a doubt in my mind, everybody sitting in this place loves, unconditionally loves the homosexual community. There's no doubt about it. If you are a Christian, you have to have that in your heart because you've got Jesus in your heart. And how can you say you love God who you've never seen when you can't love anyone else, right? That's not a question. But the problem is it's how we're coming off. So we're going to have to not give up, but what we're going to literally need to do is we're going to have to keep preaching what we've always preached and yet we're going to have to re-emphasize if we, we got to fall over ourselves to make it clear we're doing this because we love you. We're not doing it. And, and matter of fact, let's go overboard making it clear. Don't, don't let anybody have an excuse to ever call us haters again. You know, and obviously you know the old saying, um, truth sounds like hate to those that hate truth. So what we're going to have to do is learn how to do this right. Amen? All right. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 13. Now, obviously, we're going to have to do several things as a result of this. And 
we're going to have to be committed that we're going to keep doing right and we're not going to be weary in our well-doing because it says we will reap if we faint not. You know, Pastor was just talking about the, the law of, of giving and receiving. How many know you don't plant a seed and the next day a tree grows up? It's true with everything. That's just a law that shows up. You and I cannot stop. Just because we're seeing our nation go this way does not mean that we're going to have to give. If anything, we need to be that much more persistent that we've got to have revival in America. Amen? We are going to have to seek God desperately now. And we've got to do this and not be, not, not allow ourselves to get worn out. Is everybody with me so far? All right. Uh, Luke, if you wouldn't mind, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. And while he's pulling that up, we're going to have to recognize, folks, that everybody around us does not necessarily agree with us. When it comes to marriage, and when it comes to the Bible, and when it comes to all these other things, but what we're going to have to do, we're going to have to live out in front of them in a humble and yet determined manner that we're going to be a revelation. We're going to be living epistles to the world. We're going to let people see in our marriages why marriage works. Why it, the, the original design is the way that works. Which means you and I are going to have to work on our marriages. Our relationships within our homes. We're going to have to stop this obsessive compulsive desire that we've always got to have our ways. Our marriages in America are a testimony against the sanctity of marriage. And I'm talking Christians. When we see the statistics and we've all heard it, and don't feel bad if you're sitting here, you've been through a divorce or whatever, this is not a time to even go there. But let me just say, we've got to work on this, folks. It's not right. We've got to, to recover the sanctity. Amen? And I think it's obvious that we're going to have to um, remember that this is going to be our way when it is acceptable and when it's not acceptable. Right now, it's not acceptable. And I got a funny feeling it's going to get worse. I mean, you know, it, the... What's going on now, it's like, we're, how many things can we talk about as a result of this one thing? I mean, literally, what you know, you almost feel like a, a, a mosquito in, at a nudist colony. It's like, where do I start, you know? It's like, there's just so many things to tap into. I was hoping I'd throw in a little humor to, to make this a little, that, that was a lot of humor, okay. Uh Obviously, if you look at this passage in 2 Timothy, and it says that we do this in meekness, instructing those. Now, what does it say there? What's the next two words? Opposing themselves. See, whether they want to recognize it or not, they are hurting themselves by doing this. They are going against the very nature of their being. I mean, when you see... 
you know, we watched Bruce Jenner just a month ago come out like this. It's like the poor guy. My goodness. I mean, a father of, of six who who won all these uh, massive awards as a man. I'm, I'm just wondering if he's willing to turn in all of his awards now because he's a woman, which would disqualify him for all that. He's so confused. And folks, really, when you see this, this is why you and I have got to look at these people through a completely different lens. These are people, human beings, that have the ravages of sin ruining their minds. And they are literally, they are opposing themselves. And notice this, if perhaps God will give them repentance and the knowledge of that key to eternal life, the truth. Amen? So that's what we're dealing with here. All right, Luke, if you wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't mind, let me look here real quickly. I'll have to come up with another one here in just a moment. Can you do searches for, um, if I give you words, can you find that kind of stuff too? Okay, or we've got uh, the Bible answer man here on the front row, and he'll he'll probably know these passages. Yeah, <laughs> Amen. Can you believe I'm I'm using an iPhone? Uh, you know, I'm getting my my techniques from uh, um, the Pritchards. Um, obviously, what we're looking at here, folks, is a brand new opportunity for us to come up with brand new ways of being able to minister the old-fashioned gospel. When Paul says, I become all things, and that was the passage I was trying to think, I become all things to all men that by all means I can save some. And that's a pretty close quotation to it. I become all things to all men so that by all means I can save some. Somehow, we're going to have to work on how we're reaching. Because let me tell you something. I think it's about time you and I realize, look around, folks. We're losing. We're losing ground. I know that sounds horrible. But we are losing our country. We're losing our influence. We're losing ground. And if this keeps on, which I think it's clear that it's going to, it will not stop with just the legalization of homosexual marriage. Eventually, the ultimate desire is not for them to just get out of the closet. They want to get out of the closet to eventually put you and I in the closet. That's the ultimate desire. And you, you can say what you want to. That's what it's going to be about. And by the way, Monday night, when we talk about what the scripture says when Jesus said it will be just like it was in the days of Lot, I will show you undeniable truth prophetically what the Bible said would happen and it's now being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Obviously, folks, we've got to see that our nation is adrift from God. This is why we have got to confront this with the only possible answer, and that is the message of salvation and the experience of a return to God. We are absent of a revival. There's nobody alive in America right now that has experienced, seen, and were an eyewitness of a nation, national revival. Those 
experiences are over 150 years ago. The last sweeping great awakening was the result of something that took place way before any of us were around. But let me tell you what happened back then. Alcoholism was at an all-time high. Uh, marriage was on the rocks. The occult was at an all-time high. People were living in sexual immorality. The church was in struggle. Everything that you look at's bad right now was in existence back then. In the first Great Awakening, the number one issue that m much of the Christian world was dealing with was atheism and the new thought theory. <clears throat> All of a sudden, technology's coming out, and man doesn't need God. Evolution's here. We don't need God. We're all a product of all this. And so what? They were up against that. Folks, as bad as it's getting, that is no competition for the light of revival. When darkness starts hitting, the only way to turn the darkness away is to turn on the light. Amen? All right, so we've got this passage. Um, I, I, I guess I didn't, I didn't get the one that I was hoping there. But anyway, you all know what I'm talking about. Next of all, and I'm, I'm wrapping this up, is that you and I have got to realize that we're going to have to work on some of our own areas of compromise and some of our sexual expressions. I think it's obvious that if we're demanding the world to be sexually moral and pure, then we most certainly need to be sexually moral and pure. I think it was interesting that the very week that this ruling was passed, at the first part of the week, we found out that uh, Billy Graham's grandson, who happened to pastor the great church, um, Presbyterian church that James Kennedy used to pastor, that he um, was he had to step down because he admitted to having an adulterous affair. Well, when you read this, then you find out you got to peel back the curtain a little bit, come to find out, and this was part of his reasoning, is that he had left on a trip, and when he got back, he had found out that his wife, and this is a large church, a very, it's, a, it's one of the bigger churches in America. Um, you know, James Kennedy, many of you remember DJ Kennedy on, um, uh, on TV, tremendous, uh, he was a, a Calvinist, but a gracious man of God who stood firm on the truths of the scripture. Uh, when he left, the man that stepped in as that pastor was this guy. Well, anyway, come to find out when he got home from his trip, he found out that his wife was having an ongoing affair with another man. They tried to deal with it, tried to work on it. It wouldn't work. They, she wasn't repentant. So he admits he started having an affair to deal with it. Now, how many know there's something wrong with that rationale? And yet, folks, we're talking about a, the grandson of Bill Graham. We're talking about the guy who steps in the pulpit of Kennedy. This is a powerful example of how easy it is for you and I to justify our sins. And let me just say, if there's ever been a time that we need to return to the fear of God and holiness, it's now. 
Now, I know there's a lot of older people here, and this may sound uh, far out, but let me tell you, pornography is raping the minds of Christians. And it's not just Christian men, but it's now women as well. If you open that door into your home, into your life, the influence of that is destructive. Just try to deal with it all you want to. Facts are facts. This is not healthy. It is not going to help your sex life. It's not going to help your marriage. It is destructive. It's demeaning. It's immoral. It's twisted. And it will destroy your own life. That's why we're going to have to start living up to godly, wholesome, biblical morality in our home. And you know what? I believe with all my heart, folks, that means the television needs to get sanctified. There's nothing wrong with having the television. It's not a sin, but it could be a sin. And when it becomes a sin is when you bring things in your home that you would feel uncomfortable being shown in church. You can get mad at me all you want to. You can think this is being legalistic. But ladies and gentlemen, watching television filled with profanity and immorality and the promotion of rot and filth is not healthy. It's not godly, it's not right, and I'll be honest with you, I think it's probably very close to being flat-out sin. You know, you read this, the account, the Scripture said that this thing became wicked. This thing became an idol. You know, when you look at, for example, remember when Moses lifted up that rod and it had the, the brass serpent on it? Did you know eventually they had to destroy that thing? One of the men of God had to destroy it. You want me to tell you the reason why? Because it became an idol. They started literally, you, you remember when they were, all, they were all dying from these snake bites and God told them to lift up this brazen serpent on a pole and Jesus likened it to, in John 3 of that what would happen if he would be lifted up, he would, he would redeem all men. And yet they began to idolize that thing. And I got news for you folks. The television's become an idol in the American home. You say, well, it's not an idol in my home. Well, then why is all your furniture facing it? You know, it's so funny. We think it's wrong for homosexuality to be promoted at this level. Then why are you sitting there laughing at shows, sitcoms, and episodes that display it before your eyes and before your children's eyes. You know, a steady diet of that. You know, they call it TV program for a reason, because it's programming a society. Uh, Michael Medved, who is not a believer, he's a Jewish man, a very, a very gracious man. He's on, on, uh, he's on your all's local radio stations there. Michael Medved wrote a book years ago, about the influence of Hollywood, and he said that if a Martian was watching and observing through our television programs, trying to base an opinion on that regarding what American culture is like, they would be more convinced that there are more homosexuals in America than there are Christians. Now, why is it that we've become so open to this. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because we, we've, 
we're eliminating the key of knowledge. And I know we've, we've talked about this with some, some close friends recently, and I won't bring up any names, but um, I have a friend that um, tried to get his friend to go see this movie. And it's a movie that has a ridiculous amount. It's like over 400 F words in it. But it's a, it's a good movie. It's an American movie, you know. And, but, you know, and this very same guy would freak out if they would use an one F word in church. How come we think God is in this building? Do we honestly believe that, well, you don't want to do that in the house of God? No, you don't want to do that anywhere. Why? Because you are the house of God. You shouldn't be taking the house of God to go watch that. Amen. I'll get off that real quick because I'm, I'm not getting too many amens on that in this Catholic church this morning. Obviously, folks, I think another thing we need to understand is that we're going to have to begin to have a direct influence on our children and our grandchildren. If you're going to wait for the school system to correct the thinking, they're not going to do it. You, as a dad and as a mom and as grandma and grandpa, you have an amazing amount of influence regardless of what the world would like to tell you. Paul said to Timothy, and I don't know if you can find this passage for me, um, Pastor, but he was talking about the grandmother Eunice and his mother, uh, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, oh, wait a minute, um, Eunice, and he says that, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Second Timothy, what? One. So uh, see if you can uh, find that, Pastor, and we'll get that in there. I'm, I'm thinking Second Timothy, there it is. <laughs> Boy, you're pretty smart. And thanks, Luke, you're pretty sharp. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned, that means unpretentious, un, um, um, non-fake, real faith that is in you. He's talking to Timothy now, who, by the way, Paul entrusted Timothy to one of the most powerful churches in the New Testament today, the church at Ephesus. He says, I entrusted you with this work because I know you that from a child... You've known the Holy Scriptures. Why? Because you first got this from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, or Eunice, however, and I am persuaded it's also in you. Literally, grandma and mom, and there's pretty good chance that at that point in Timothy's life, his daddy wasn't saved. He was a Greek, but he says, you learned the word. And what did he turn it? He turned into a godly man who was able to be entrusted with, with probably the greatest church in the New Testament era. Now I want to ask you a question, mom and grandmother. Are you raising that type of generation? I tell you what we need to do. And this is another reason why we need to turn the television off. Because you're gonna, your children are getting philosophies from somebody. And the philosophers of our days are the musicians and the entertainers, the movie makers, the TV producers. Those are the philosophers of our day. You need to tell your son 
not just this is bad or daughter, this is bad or good. You need to explain to them why. Give them rational reasoning behind it. Amen? All right. Um, obviously, I got a couple more here. We need to take serious our obligation to being citizens in a free country to vote and to make this issue a part of our expressions. Folks, it is, it's fine if we're going to sit around and criticize our leaders, but it's not fine if we don't vote. And you say, well, John, we're living in California. What, what choice does I have? Well, guess what? If every Christian in California, everyone who professes to be committed to the Lordship of Christ, you, yeah, but John, you don't understand. It's all those little lefties and all these little small parts. You know, think about it. Think about it. How many Christians in the more conservative parts of California, which pro in reality probably makes up the majority of your all state, why? would they not vote? I mean, if anything, they need to go out of their way. Am I right in saying this? Yeah. Obviously, we need to um, pray for our pastors and our churches because I got news for you. God's given you a gracious man who doesn't have any concept of giving up. He's got a backbone. When I, I was talking to Carolyn yesterday, and we were just talking about you know, Pastor Don having me back and, and, and how, you know, he's he stood strong in, in, in some of these issues down through the years. And she says, she says, man, I wish every pastor that we have, you'd be surprised, folks, how much compromise is in the ministry and how lack of backbone we have. I tell you what, you know what, not everybody will see the value of what you have when you have Pastor Don. Now, Don has the character he has, and it comes with both sides of it. You know, you don't want to confront Don because Don will pull out the atom bomb. Am I right? You don't, but, because, but you want that because you want a man like that who will tell you the truth despite it. Now, you if you want a, a, a little limp-wristed guy that just loves everybody and doesn't tell anybody anything that offends them, then you probably need to find someplace else. But you want somebody to get up in your face and challenge you. Don has spoke to my life pretty strongly in the last week or two. And he has told me things I need to work on. As a matter of fact, I'm doing what I'm doing right now only because... I really am trying to learn. See, because I don't want to be married to my laptop. I want to be married to truth. But at the same time, I don't want to get, and the, the things that he was, he's helping me with is that, you know, John Muncy is a, a pessimist. And in the midst of all this, and, and Pastor Don has got that same prophetic anointing, but thankfully he's been able to tap into hope. And I think part of it partly is due because he's a pastor. And I think, obviously, as an evangelist, you just want to hit and run. But let me tell you something, folks. You need to pray for your pastor because this guy is not going to back down. You all know that, don't you? 
He's not going to back down. But that doesn't mean it's all going to go good for him. What are you going to do when this man refuses to obey the law that says you can't talk about this anymore in the pulpit, and he will not talk about it? What happens when they say, we'll take your tax-exempt status because you will not marry homosexuals? Do you, know, do you think your pastor for a second is going to say, oh, okay, well, we'll keep our tax-exempt status so we can marry homosexuals? you think that's going to happen? No. I would not be surprised, folks, if before this is all over, we'll be fined and jailed. And in many cases, folks, and I, there's the pessimist coming out of me, they'll shut us down. But Jesus said, I'm going to build a church that the gates of hell can't stop. Amen? Now, all the work that you've done to put this place together and build, you know what? You need to keep pressing. I'm not going to back down. And you know, God will make a way. In Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego's life, they said, you know what? We're not going to bow. And if God allows us to get burned, well, so what? So be it. We're not going to bow. But God showed up in the last minute. I'm still convinced God can show up. I just don't think maybe the church is quite... Um, ready to get desperate. My time's up. I love you all. Um, I, um, I have full intentions on uh, preaching um, my message in the second service, and I want to talk today, tomorrow, and Tuesday on prophecy. And I'm going to show you from the Word of God literally um, how this is all being fulfilled. I got about one minute left. Let me leave you something to make you think. Um, the day that this was passed, the ruling was passed uh, from the Supreme Court on Friday. If, uh, if you have access to the Internet, you can go to the Jewish Hebrew calendar, and you can type in this day and what day it is, you know, um, in the Jewish calendar. You know, I think it was like 575... 5,775 year. Anyway, um, this particular day, Friday, the day that this event happened, is the ninth day of Tammuz. That's in the Jewish calendar. Why is that important? Well, that became a massively important day in Jewish history. It was the day that Babylon breached the walls of Jerusalem broke into the walls of Jerusalem to devastate it. And throughout history in the Jewish community, the ninth of Tammuz is a day of fasting and mourning. The walls were breached fr Friday, folks. Our nation was attacked by that same spirit. And if you remember when we were here last year, we talked about ISIS and Tammuz and all that. This, this holiday, this date calendar is named after this thing. This spirit um, breached our walls. The, wa the, the government, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the Supreme Court, the court system, the justice system is to protect us and to help us as a nation to preserve our sanity and, our, and give us a protection. And yet now they allowed the gates to be broken in. This is a time of mourning for us. We need to get honest and desperate before God. I'm not a fatalist. 
I do not believe, well, it had to be this way. I do believe we can pull through this and find victory in the midst of the, the horrible events. All right. Okay, God bless you. I love all of you. Thank you. And by the way, we'll look forward to seeing you on Monday. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. I'm going to have the worship team come back for a moment. Um, Friday morning I was reading again through Lamentations, and it's interesting how Jeremiah just weeping over what had happened to his nation and uh, a lot of what John is saying and even what's happening to that and that verse in Lamentation verse nine, chapter 1 verse 9 just says because she didn't consider her destiny and I think that's what's happened to us is we, we don't uh, think about our decisions, our decisions and how they consider our destiny long term what does this do what does this mean for my entire life for destiny what does this mean? What does this decision mean for the destiny of our nation? It's not about just a right for a person. See, we, we think about, well, this person needs a right in the moment. And that's what decision at this moment in our nation. This is the right thing to do. OK, if that's your decision in the moment, then what does that mean to your destiny? Amen. When we make the same decision, when you make a decision in the moment, when the person makes the decision in adultery, when the person makes the decision in immorality, when the person makes the decision in, in, in giving up their integrity, okay, you may have found justification for it in the moment, but what will that mean to your destiny? And if we don't think in, with that mindset, that is how our nation has gotten where we are. We've become a nation of the moment when we were founded by men who founded a nation with destiny in mind. And that's what the church is. The church and the gospel is all about our destiny. Amen. And Friday morning, I don't tweet that much. I do a tweet thing, but I don't tweet that much. But then I began to post. This is what the Spirit of God said to me. We just witnessed love assassinate truth. Love, our, our definition of love just assassinated truth. Our, our president said love wins. Love won in their definition. Their definition of love won by assassinating the truth of marriage. Okay? And we have a nation that loves to have it so. We, we, don't, we can redefine truth for a moment, for a situation. So what do we do? How do we as a church respond? I think it's important that we really become a people of prayer. Amen. And, and that we look at ourselves. It's the same thing that, you know, Peter said, hey, you know what? Judgment begins at the house of God. And we are the house of God. You know, John brought it up and I've thought about it a lot. You know, are we going to, you know, how many F-bombs could I drop this morning before somebody walked out? And then be appalled and do that stuff and doing things. But yet, do we take our family to movies that are filled with that? We wouldn't let our family sit in a church where that's being said. But we'll pay to have our families view something where that's being said or done or things like that. And so we have to make sure that we have equity in our lifestyle. And I have a lot that I have to repent of. I watch things that I shouldn't. 
See, I've told myself that cussing is okay as long as John Wayne's doing it. Because he's an American, and he stands for America. And cowboys were right. That's the way it is. But, you know, but wh what I'm saying, every, we all have rationale. But our rationale in my moment, it, how is that affecting my destiny? Amen? Think about your destiny. Think about your destiny.